What smells like shoe polish? Be quiet. We have a promo to do. I'm Jeff Ferry, and this is my hetero podcast mate, Chris Durkach. We are the hosts of the Jay and Silent Bob Minute. We break down the Kevin Smith films featuring Jay and Silent Bob one minute at a time, starting with Clerks. I have a hockey game at 12. Chris, please. So if you've ever worked a dead-end job behind the counter discussing Star Wars while slinging coffee, nudie mags, and cigarettes... Cancer merchant! Cancer merchant! Settle down! Or if you ever leaned outside a convenience store, secretly hated all your customers, or closed your place of business to attend a funeral, you should join us at Jay and Silent Bob Minute on DuelingGenre.com as we discuss the milkmaids, berserkers, and the significance of the number 37. In a row? Come for the clerks and stay for the rest of the Jay and Silent Bob Minute fun. Right, Chris? I'm not even supposed to be here today. Bueller. 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 Welcome back, everybody, to Ferris Bueller's Minute Off. The fan podcast where we overanalyze the John Hughes classic Ferris Bueller's Day Off one minute at a time. I'm Gary Roby. I'm Victoria Cope. And we have Jonathan Carlisle back with us again. Welcome back. Hey, thanks. And I would argue that this is the minute that Cameron puts his foot down. You're right. You are right. (laughs) I mean, quite literally. Yeah. (laughs) Today, we're talking about minute 84, which, as I said yesterday with Victoria spoiling it, starts with Cameron's declaration. This is the declarative moment, in my opinion. And it ends... It ends with uh, with the hesitation. There's a lot of rhyming happening. This minute, uh, um, more of Cameron's monologue, of course, right? Like he's getting. I mean, I th- I like that. There's like an escalation of this. Like so, yesterday he was saying that like he's he's got to take a stand. He's tired of letting his father push him around, and here, like, I think. I think this particular line that we start this minute with might have influenced me. Victoria, I don't know. You'll have to you'll have to tell me how you feel when I say this, but like I think this particular line might have like might have influenced me more than anything else in like media. Where Cameron says, "I'm not going to sit on my ass as the events that affect me unfold to determine the course of my life. I'm going to take a stand. He's going to like, this is it. Like he said yesterday that he was going to take a stand against his father, that he was the problem. His parents weren't the problem. Like he's the problem. He needs to like stand up for himself and finally do something. And I mean, we've gotten, we've gotten very personal and introspective on the show before. I've talked a little bit about like graduating high school and being Cameron's age, like, let me, let's do this. Like, when I was Cameron's age, and I was about to graduate, I didn't know what I was going to do after high school. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what my major was going to be, where I was going to go to school, how I was going to afford to go to school. And um, my stepdad was na- is Navy. Is Navy. He's um, He's been in for like 25 years now or something. And... We moved here 
to San Diego. And the school that I went to had a junior ROTC program. So I was in ROTC. Um, and I applied for the ROTC scholarship because it's like, oh, well, this is a way to pay for school. And I don't, I'm not, I respect people that are like in, within the military organization, but like, that's not my, it's not something that like I was personally invested in or interested in doing, but like, I still got the scholarship and like went to a school in Tampa because they were paying for me to go to school. And it was a bad time. Like, I... I had a handful of classes that I picked for myself that I was interested in and that I wanted to take, but then I also had, like, the Navy-required courses, and I was getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning to do PT, and I was, like... It was just... It was just a... A position that I didn't want to be in. And the only reason I was there was because, like, I, instead of doing the research and finding some way to afford school or, like, figuring it out, like, myself, I just sort of was on this, like, kind of on this path of this is what you should do and this is going to pay for you and you should find a career that's going to help you make money and blah, blah. Like I just sort of had been accepting these things, these unfolding events that were just sort of guiding me along this path that I didn't really want to be on. And so this moment, like without me even real, let me tell you, I watched this movie so much that semester that I was there because this was like the one DVD I took with me to school. Oh. And this moment was a moment where, like, I would be, like, I mean, let's get real. I, I would be getting teary-eyed listening to this monologue here and being aware of the fact that I was in a position where I could make a decision to, like, choose what it was I wanted to do with my life. And up to that point, I hadn't been doing that. Mm -hmm. I really admire Cameron for recognizing that, like, despite what his parents may or may not want for him, it's his life to live and, like, his decisions to make. And so... I, I really admire this moment of Cameron, like, literally putting his foot down and saying, like, this is what I want. Like, I'm going to take a stand. Now, the the quote that he says, well, I don't know that it's a quote, but sure, it, it sounds like something. And I can't help but think that to some degree that this is something that his dad would say to him and he's kind of like changing it to work for him. At this point Ooh. now. I like, I, um, I like that. I like the idea of Cameron not only taking owner. It's funny. It's, it's, I think if we had had a moment early in the, like, I don't want to see Cameron's dad, but if we'd had a moment early in the movie where he, we had seen like an alternative of this dialogue of his dad telling him like, are you just going to, like, let things happen to you or whatever? Like, have this moment of him, like, being like, no, I'm going to take a stand. Are you just I think it makes this a little bed? bit more punchy. Yeah. Yes, yes. Are you just going to lay there in bed all day? Or are you going to, like, get up and do something with your life? 
I don't know. I think it makes it a little more... It gives it a little more of, like, an emphasis of not only is he taking ownership for, like, what he wants to do with his life, but he's, like, taking ownership of this thing that his dad tells him. Like, you say it this way, but no, like, I'm... This is what it really means to me. Yes. 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 Exactly. (sighs) I love Cameron, you guys. (laughs) I'm so Love happy. All the I'm so happy of like this growth for him here in this minute. He's the one that like really has this arc throughout the whole movie. He's the one to be watching. Would you call I mean we can get like literary philosophy here. Like would you call Cameron the protagonist of this movie? Like, we know, like, we've said before, like, oh, Cameron's the main character. He's the one with character development in, like, an arc. But, like, does that make him the protagonist? And if that's the case, then is the antagonist of the movie his dad, this unseen force? I feel like there's several antagonists. I mean, well, his dad would be his antagonist as opposed... I don't know. Just, like, Ferris, if, if Ferris is the protagonist in his own story and Rooney is his antagonist. I don't think Rooney counts as Ferris's antagonist because neither of them see each other till the last minute of the movie. Ferris isn't worried about Rooney at all. That's if true. If they were like right, butting yeah. heads consistently through the movie, I think I would accept that a little bit more. But right now, like in this moment, Rooney and his antics at Ferris's house is irrelevant to anything that's happened today. Okay. And so in this circumstance, if we're looking at Cameron as like, you're the person who's like the character developing, you're having the growth of the story and the thing that you are, your conflict, the thing that you're butting up against is this sort of abstract version of like your father. And so I think that that makes his dad the antagonist. Kind of. I mean, we're not, we don't have to do literary like constructive criticism or whatever the hell, but I have notes for, I don't know if it's for today or tomorrow that literally feel like I was like a, like a high school. Oh yeah. I literally have notes in this minute that feel like high school professor status. Like (laughs) how do you think this makes this character feel kind of thing? And so like, I think that's why that's in my head for this, but I definitely think this week establishes Cameron as our focus of this film. Yeah, for I, think, sure. I, mean, I think that is very a uh, true statement to say. Mm. I'm, gl- I'm glad I'm here for these minutes because it's, he's, he's really the character that I care about more than, yeah. like, I, right. like, like for me, like we joked about at the beginning of the week that in 81, you know, if, if the movie ended, then Ferris would be just happy, just fine. Um, but uh, I think for me, you know, at the end of this week, I mean, that's kind of, well, I didn't, didn't you say that like shortly after this, you get your last Cameron minute. So yeah, you know, once, once Cameron is done, then, you know, I'm kind of done too. I mean, there's more to <laughs> the, the movie, but I don't, you know, I don't care yeah. that much about what Honestly, Ferris like, doesn't learn. After, <laughs> <ain't> no kidding. <laughs> after, I think next week we get the resolution of this monologue when Cameron says like, I'm going to take the heat. And I think that, you could end with that, like, music... Fa- like, I don't need to see, Cam- like, Ferris racing home and, like, making making sure he got there before his parents did. Like, I don't... Having this last thing with Rooney and whatever. I mean, 
I think I th- okay. So I think what this is, right? This is a movie about Cameron Fry. And Ferris is just the framing device. You know how you have movies or like okay, okay, I because last week we just had the author event at my bookstore with Patrick Rothfuss. Like, you know how in books sometimes you'll have like the first couple chapters are of this character, but then the story, the main crux of the story is actually this flashback or this thing that someone's talking. It's um in Princess Bride too. We have the like, this is a story that my father told me or whatever. And like, now I'm going to tell this to you. And then you get into the story. And mm. like, that's the main crux of the, in this case, we're introduced to Ferris, but Ferris is the frame. Ferris is this perfect idealized, like, he gets whatever he wants character. And then he pulls Cameron into the story and is like, this is the character we're watching for change here. Even Never Ending um, Story kind of does that. Like, yeah, the movie's about Bastion's, like, depression, but we get Bastion reading the book and then we get into the story never ending story like we get into what's actually going on in like fantasia before we pull back and so i think the reason we have to like move from this to ferris again at the end is we have to like close the book complete that yeah, in, yeah, yeah. frame yeah that that uh that, that kind of makes me think of the movie as a whole is kind of oh how do i want to say this um like the movie is treating these characters the way the world in the movie is treating the characters. Like everyone is so focused on Ferris. So the movie is called Ferris Bueller. Yeah. It starts and ends with him, but really it's about Cameron, the guy yes. who everyone's kind of passing yes. over. Yes. I like that. I like that a lot. That's why I think Victoria and I, you and I keep coming back to this. Like, I think I want our first t-shirt to be save Cameron. No, yeah. Because yeah. he's definitely, like, everyone's rallying behind Ferris Bueller, but he doesn't need it. He's right. not the person who, like, who has any sort of, like, sh- like struggle that he seems to be going through or any, like, growth that is essential to what his character is. Whereas, like, Cameron, especially here, this week, this minute, is, like, taking matters into his own hands and, like... This is, this is, this is his development. Like, everything we, okay, I have a question. Here's my, like, literary professor notes <laughs> that I had for this okay. minute. Um, what do you think inspired this growth in Cameron? Like, Cameron sees that there's miles on the car that there shouldn't be, and that running the car in reverse doesn't get rid of that. But do you think that that impetus alone is enough for him to come to the realization that he needs to stand up to his father? It's a buildup. It's not just the one thing. It's yeah, the fact but, that it was several things. So what, 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 else, what else contributes to that decision in this movie? I, to him standing up to his well, dad. Here we're, we're getting into connecting some more lines here. I... I Honestly, I think it's the fact that he spent an entire day with Ferris and they did some fun things, but I think in a lot of ways Ferris is so much like Cameron's dad that Cam- that that Ferris is pushing him. Especially this car. The car is the big thing about that too. That Ferris really pushed him kind of past mm. the limit with that. And I it, it, 
I find that really fascinating and at the moment without having like looked and done notes for future minutes I'm inclined to agree with you if only because next week I think it's next week Ferris Cameron tells Ferris like I could have stopped like I could have I couldn't I could have stopped you from taking the car to the garage like it is possible to stop the great Ferris Bueller like it he there is an equivalence there of like here he's admitting like here he's actually putting his foot down and he's realizing like I could have done this sooner I could have put my foot down then why didn't I I don't think it's a regret. I don't no. think there's a why shouldn't or why. But it's like why why. But I think he's mean? recognizing that that was an option he had. Oh, well, of course, yeah, yeah. But I don't think. I mean, it, this is not as much as Ferris wanted to show Cameron a good day. I don't think this was in his in his cards anywhere. I don't think he anticipated that 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 going out and spending time in Chicago and like enjoying himself was going to lead to like a grand revolution right a revelation or whatever you want to call it um i don't know it just makes it interesting because like what what so can we point to things like what are some things in this movie that seem to allude to Cameron finally making this revelation after he's had his his panic attack. Like, we talked about him getting up on the banister and looking out the window in the Sears Tower, like, overcoming a fear. That was like a little baby step thing. Mm -hmm. And then we had Cameron having his moment where he was looking at the painting in the museum and he was recognizing that, like, the closer you get to this thing, the less there is to see. Like, is there any substance here or am I just this, like, pointillism thing? Am I just a point in a larger picture? And then we have him at the parade talking to Sloan and telling Sloan that, like... I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, uh, everything works out for Cam- or for Ferris. Like, I can't handle anything. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do after high school. I'm not interested in anything. Like, that sort of... So, I guess we got moments of introspection. But this feels like a big shift for Cameron. And I'm not sure that, like, 170 miles on the car is quite enough to justify it. I mean, I've accepted it. I've watched yeah. this movie a million times. Yeah. I've never questioned it before. I'm just <laughs> saying, like, is this something we should be questioning? Well, I I think in some ways, yes. Because as, which we haven't specifically talked about, when he starts going crazy on the car in this minute. Yeah. Um. It gets to the. There's a lot of things going on. A lot of things going on. And oh, yeah. if you really step back and look at it, he's kind of taking it too far. I mean, it's super gratifying mm-hmm. watching watching the movie oh, man. and understanding. Yes. But at the same time, it it's I've in my mind I have a hard time with it because 
what we've talked about, the possibilities of his dad being abusive and everything. And then he lashes out. And, like, there's just, like, that circle of error there, you know, the generational yeah. things where, where where now he's lashing out. And that's just kind of – it's it's gratifying, but there's a element of scariness to it, which we kind of see on Ferris and Sloane's faces. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, so, so Cameron, I agree with you completely. We have, like, two different – two different things happening in this minute where like at first he's having his moment where he's saying like, I've got to take a stand and right or wrong, I'm going to defend it. And then we have this sort of shift in even him where he's like, he's gotten to this point where he's, he's like, he's placing all of his anger, all of the stress, all of the like abuse and everything from his father onto this car now and so i mean we've we've talked about it before like i keep saying this this week but like him i think i keep i keep returning to the idea that like he loves the car he hates his wife and like that doesn't that sentiment doesn't even take into regard he hates his wife he doesn't even seem to care about his child Mm -hmm. and so like Cameron is having this moment where he realizes that, like, his father seems to care more about this material, material thing uh-huh. than anything else. And that's when, like, it tips a little too far where, like, it's bubbled up to this point where now he just, he kicks the car. It's like, I hate this car. I hate what it represents. Yeah, he, I'm he says, of the car I'm so sick of his shit. I can't stand him. And I hate this goddamn car. For what it represents, Uh for sure, exactly. And he says, he says as he's kicking it, who do you love? Who do you love? You love a car. Like, like almost as if he wanted to, like, he wants to beat his dad. Yeah, and he's putting this point into, like, this is what you care about? Like, this this metal thing? Like, this pathetic, this thing that I can just dent with my, like, it's just, there's so much happening. In There's, that's a lot of emotion. It's a yeah. lot of like it's anger. It's all. It's like a, a layer of sadness is in there. It's just that's awful. I mean, I could I couldn't imagine. I mean, I have my own issues with 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 my father figure, but yeah, same. I I can, same. I, can, I, can, I can understand like wanting to take out that aggression. Uh, and like as Jonathan was saying, like unfortunately, uh, it's like that whole like abusers breed abusers sometimes. Do you so think- like he abuses Cameron, like it ends up having having that level of fear on on Ferris and Sloane's yeah. face because he's getting abusive. It's like what's to stop him from being an abusive person? Well, Sloane moves to you know? stop Cameron, and and Ferris like grabs onto his arm, like don't get into this. Like you need, yeah, oh yeah. That's, have, that's a slippery slope. I I have so many questions about that little move. Let's like, let's why, talk. Why is, I mean, it, yeah, let's talk about it. So, oh man, okay, so I guess we'll just talk about just the characters themselves. So, why is he stopping her? Is this is this something? I guess my first question that I thought of is this something that Ferris has seen before, but he's kind of maybe forgotten about when they were kids. Maybe Cameron lashed out one I time. Maybe he saw that. him do it as a kid. Like I can once. absolutely see that. I like, think that I th- oh, see. So here, let me, Cameron. This in this moment, Cameron is lashing out, but 
nothing we have seen in this movie up to this point has shown that Cameron is capable of something like this. And I yeah. think it's because he keeps it buried. He seems like a very, mm-hmm. like, um... He grew up in a house passive. that's, like, cold like a museum and you can't touch anything. Like, I'm sure that, like... Do you think Cameron even has an outlet? No, it doesn't seem, though. It doesn't seem like and it. And so... So... I would... I can easily believe that, like, because he and Ferris have known each other since they were kids, Ferris has seen that, like, sometimes Cameron blows his top... Like... Like, Cameron has extremes in moods. We saw him dissociate, like, in a dissociative state last week. Or the week before. Manic depressant. And on the opposite side of that, now he's, like, lashing out. Because, like, everything that he's been holding since he saw the mileage on the car and he went berserk, as, as Ferris called it, now he's, like expressing everything like that he's been holding back. It's like, like it's you know, you, itself you repress physical... your emotions. You don't want to show your emotions. Yeah. And so you push it down yeah. until it like explodes. And mm-hmm. so this is that explosion. Mm-hmm. And I don't oh, yeah. think, I don't think that Ferris stops Sloan because he's afraid that like Cameron will hurt Sloan. I think Ferris stops Sloan because, Cam- because Ferris knows that Cameron needs to get this out. It's like, let him be. Yeah. Yes. Like, 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 let him get it out. Like, he'll be done in, like, a few minutes or whatever. Like, if, he does If, before, in a different case, Cameron had stormed off and Sloane had gone after, I uh-huh. think Ferris would have stopped him just the same. Like, no, he just needs some time. Yeah. Like, I almost think that, that Ferris's action of stopping her comes from a place of, like... I know Cameron. Yes. Yes. And, I and like... He needs this. Like, this is something that he hasn't had. And, like, he hasn't taken this opportunity to let this out before. I mean... Like, let him have this. Th- there's no doubt about that, whether this has come up before, whether they're good for each other, whether, like, Ferris is a good guy, all this other stuff. What what doesn't change is the fact is that they're best friends. Yeah. And sometimes your best friend knows you more than you know yourself. Yeah. So I think Ferris is, yeah, exactly what you said. Ferris is, is probably seen this before and he's stopping Sloan because he knows what's, what this is. Yeah. It's not out Cameron's of going to let this it's out. It's not out of fear. And then he'll let out that last breath and like everything will be fine. Like, yeah, he'll have to deal with this. Yes, this is worse than the miles on the car, but like, it's not. It's better for him to let this out than it is for them to stop him and have him just burrow it back down. It it took a lot of work on my on my point on my side. Uh huh. To work with my husband. Okay. Because he's the kind of person that manifests his anger in a physical destruction of something. Interesting. I did not know that. Um, like. He's told me stories of like times in which he's been just upset and knowing has destroyed Ricky, things. And... I just imagine him like Stitch destroying the city that Lilo builds, <laughs> like because, especially because like he's a Lego builder and he has his cities and things. Like yeah, I just yeah. imagine him just destroying something and then like putting it back together meticulously I mean, afterwards. And, and he has so many relationships with so many people because he's never had like a real honest to goodness family that he could fall back on and sure. feel and feel like they're supportive and all that stuff. So yeah, it's always his family is more like ex- his 
the little Pe- suburb he grew up in, basically. People that have known him his yeah. whole life and yeah. has just kind of, like, watched him, like, develop and grow and whatever. And they've told me stories. It's just like, sometimes, like, Ricky's a wild card. You don't know what's going to happen, like, uh. or whether he's doing something out of, like, a bad place or a good place. Like, uh, he, he likes to build really big spaceships out of Legos that are out of his own mind. They're not necessarily something that he's he... He's a master builder. Uh, for sure. Like, if you, <laughs> if you, if that was real, like, he totally would be. Uh, because he, he loves that part in which when he comes back from, uh, seeing the real world. Oh. And he's looking at things and sees, like, part numbers. Oh, that's funny. Ricky could practically do that. That's like, it's, funny. Like, like, I laugh so hard <laughs> at that whole movie because it's just like, this is my husband. Like, yeah, right the here. Lego movie definitely, like, exemplifies. He, no, no, my husband is Lord Business. <laughs> like, for sure. When the dude, like, my husband, for, for his job, wears a black suit with a red tie. And Lord when... Ricky Business. When, uh... <laughs> Risky business. <laughs> when 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 uh when Will Ferrell's character comes down and he's wearing like a black suit with a red tie, I lost it. I was like, oh my god, it's Ricky. That's so like, funny. It's master builder status. You're coming down, especially when he tells like the little boy, like because he's like, oh, it says like eight and up or eight and whatever, and he goes, that's just a suggestion. <laughs> like, but like, but they're Ricky, for Ricky wouldn't glue his pieces. Together. There, there's very few things that are glued together. Okay, most of the things are antennas that <laughs> pop off very easily. Ah. Uh, but yeah, the same thing. Like he, I, he says he doesn't bottle things up, and he's really good about uh-huh. like being very vocal about his anger. But sometimes it does get to this point where, it, as he explains it, it's very satisfying. To destroy something. How are you guys, like both of you, how are you guys with, like, handling high tensions like this? Yeah, no, no, this is, I mean, this is what's happening in this minute. Let's, let's get here. Okay. Are Uh, you the kind of person who, like, bottles things up (laughs) until they, like, blow up? Or, like, have you found a way to, like, manage that? Uh, no. I'm totally a bottler. Yeah? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I've, uh, punched a hole in the wall before. Wow. Ricky's never done a hole in the wall, but I, he's definitely like, he's punched. What about you? This, this sounds really weird, but he punched his robot. Uh, oh, the big, like, the big one he built? Not the big one. He oh. has a smaller one that's, like, yeah. older than me. It's re- He built it when he was a child, and wow. it's still together. He refuses to take it apart. Wow. It has a name and everything. And he punched it. And he punched it, and it, like, shattered. <gasps> and he just... Gathered up the together. pieces and put it back together. Uh-huh. Again, no instructions. This is a kid, this is a little robot he made up, but sure. he's built it so many times that he just sure. put it back together. So I've seen him destroy his I... cities and castles and things before out of anger, but he just rebuilds it. I... It's easier when it's Legos, I think. Um. So I'm like really, really contemplating this right now. I turn emo. Yeah. I feel when I'm angry. Or not angry, but like with you my feelings. You kind of shut down and you I don't want down. anyone to come by. And you're just like, don't you don't want to be around anybody. me right now. Yeah. I don't want to eat. I don't want anyone to be around me. I question why people want to be around me. I question myself. Like, it's just, mm. it's a it's a whole, like, I'm very self-deprecating. I sure. To, to, a, to a horrible, horrible degree. And I keep that bottled in. Uh, Ricky used to always get upset because I would be very open about it. And he's like, you shouldn't be open about it. So now I just don't talk about it. Oh, that's funny. That's funny because like, I'm literally the opposite. Like, I, I think especially because I have like, I have four little sisters. So there's always like someone in the house that's even if like, 
like Haley or Taylor, the little twins who are like barely in high school right now, like they didn't know what I was dealing with, but like it was nice to just be like, I just need to yammer at you for a couple of minutes. Like I've always been the like, I need to talk this out Mm -hmm. person, regardless of whether or not someone was like actually there to listen. And so, I mean, you know this, you know this about me, Victoria, that like, I'm the kind of person who has like one really good friend that I can like tell things to and like kind of express stuff to. And so it's almost like a therapy thing for me. But on the other side, like, I I don't know. I'm a, I'm a chatterbox. Like it helps me. It, I work through things by talking them out. And so I will talk to whoever will, whoever will indulge me long enough to listen. It's, it's a, it's a struggle for me. I mean, when I was a kid being an only child and being raised by a single mom, sure. Uh, and not really having any, anyone to talk to or, you know, do anything with. I would try to talk to my mom or I would talk to kids in school and I would get in trouble. Like I would Aww. either get labeled a chatterbox in school and get in trouble, oh. get notes sent home Same. and that like, kind of I, thing. Let me tell you, in elementary school, I was the kid with like the like the desk in the corner by myself because I couldn't get work done if I was around other yeah. kids. Yeah, oh, I remember that. That sucks. That was, that was me. And then my mom being the kind of mom in which like I would get... You know, punished for that. Mm. If I talked during TV shows or movies, I'd get in trouble. Um, That explains why you get so quiet during TV shows and stuff. I everything. If I got in my mom's face and was all like, "I love you," and it's just like, "I love you too," not get out of my face. (laughs) Like I, my 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 mom was not very affectionate. Mm. It was like, "Oh, come up and give me a hug," or like, "Here, let me kiss you." It's like, nope, nope. I didn't get any of that. I so to think... me, it's, it's, uh, it's weird. I, it's hard for, like, I start getting on tangents and I'll start talking a lot and then I get self-conscious because I revert back to that, like, no one wants to hear me talk. I'm a chatterbox. I, I need you. to shut up now. I that you. kind of thing. So it's, it's tough. That's, That's interesting. I, 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 sometimes I'm very quiet because I'm thinking too much about what would I say uh-huh. and then I get so worried about what I'm saying and how it's going to be interpreted or how I'm going to explain myself that I end up not saying anything. I get more uncomfortable about the silence and then I find myself just like rambling. And even if it's, it, it might not even have like direction. It's just like, this is just stuff I need to talk. Like, I just need to like get it out of my head. Right. Um, when I was, when I was in high school, I was like writing a lot more than I do now. And Mm -hmm. so that's, I have notebooks and notebooks and notebooks full of just like, this is the stuff that I'm dealing with. see, that's why you get all this angsty poetry. poetry. That's literally about being alone. Yeah. Oh, a lot of it has, a lot of my poems have have to do with being alone. I have a, I have a I mean, I told you this off mic, but I have a story that I'm working on that is very much like that, and and that'll be out sometime soon. Yeah, like like reading those poems, like a lot of them have to do with being alone, uh, feeling unloved, sure, feeling like why am I here? Like a, a lot of it's very it's very sad yeah. for me to read. Because I still, I feel like not all those feelings are gone. I think, I think a lot of that, 
I think a lot of, like, I think being able to, no, but see, even that poetry, right? Even, like, being able to recognize that there's still that thing in you that is struggling mm-hmm. is a healthy thing, right? Like, you're, even that is not being completely, you're not ignoring it. You are, like, self-aware enough to recognize that there is a problem. Right. Whereas, like, for Cameron up to this point, it feels like he hasn't even taken the time to be introspective in this way. To realize that To make a decision. A th- a something that he can do. Yes. Yes. That he's not totally helpless. And so he doesn't punch a hole in a wall, but he does kick oh. the crap out of this car. <laughs> oh, this car. I don't... Does he say it in this minute that he kicked the shit out of it? No, that's tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that's tomorrow. the... I don't. I. I didn't uh, look up what the actual stages of grief are, but he's. He certainly seems to be like going through a bunch of different stages real quick. So yeah. Oh the, yeah. It's, yeah. It's the next minute yeah. when he kind of calms down. He's like, oh hey, look what happened. Grief, anger, uh, acceptance. I don't even know. There's like seven stages. I don't even know. I'm not even gonna pretend to know. Um, but yeah, like there's definitely like an evolution of, uh emotion happening here like like over the course of these couple of minutes like cameron goes through a lot and it's all from this introspective place and i really love it i'm so happy Uh, that he's like at this point where he's recognizing that like he has to make a change in his life because it's a hard place to be at (laughs) yeah another aspect of their relationship that i was thinking about was just um just between Ferris and Cameron that uh, there's there's people process things differently. Um, there's people, I'm not going to say that some people don't have emotion, you know, uh-huh. accessible to them. But I think some people have a greater penchant for emotion, I guess, and other people that don't sure. don't understand it. So it's not just lashing out, but even just in normal moments, if somebody reacts to things more like there's other people that just don't understand it and either want to shut it down or they just think it's weird and walk away you know yeah and so i think for cameron there's a lot of that going on that cameron bottles it up but he has a lot of it and it gets more bottled up so someone like ferris who just kind of looks at things is just like oh that's just the way it is and yeah you know well i'm gonna take this and go do this thing um, you know, for Cameron, there's a lot more involved in. Absolutely. You know, I, so when that, think... when those relationships keep Sorry, go going, ahead. you know, like, yeah, when those relationships just keep going, it, it yeah. just, it's just going to bottle up in Cameron, you know, because Ferris is like, oh no, that's, that's not a thing. But Cameron's like, yeah, it is a thing. Yeah. 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 But, we talk, I mean, yes, exactly. We had, um, we've mentioned this before, I think in this week too, but like we had that bit of script that got cut from the movie when, when. Cameron first has his like when he goes into that dissociative state and he's and 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 Sloane recognizes it and she has to reiterate to Ferris like you might not think that this is a problem but this is a problem like Cameron has to deal with this even though you don't yep and I but at the same time like I mean there's not it's not like he has somewhere else to go but like I respect that Ferris is like 
he's giving his he's giving Cameron the chance to express this emotion. Like he's not stepping in, he's not saying anything, and I think part of that is like he probably doesn't know what he can do in the situation anyway. But I think that like it's probably better for Cameron to get this out than for Ferris to say like, "No, it's gonna be fine. Don't worry about it." You know, like yeah, I think I, he knows when to hold his tongue, and that's very important in their relationship too. Yeah, despite despite my initial uh, emotional reaction to Ferris, uh, which was negative, um, <laughs> but um, I, I at least respect him in this in this minute or these couple minutes yeah. that he doesn't just jump in because at least at least from what we've seen in the rest of the movie when he's so enamored with this car at least at this moment I genuinely feel that Ferris is more concerned about Cameron than he is a car yes! at this moment yes I didn't even like so- take the time to think <laughs> about the fact that like Ferris has probably been oogling this car since he was a kid and like, oh, I just want to sit in this. Like, he seemed so delighted when he sat in the car the first time, like this precious thing. But no, he's definitely more concerned with his friend than he is with the Ferrari. And I like that. I'm happy that that's the case. Yeah. There's no like, oh, like you, 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 you broke it. Like you're doing something. Like, stop, no, stop, no, stop. no. Like it's not, it's more about camera needs to get this out. The car's not important. It's just a thing. Like, Cameron is more important to Ferris than the car is. That makes me... I, I'm but, happy about that. But isn't that kind of an unfortunate thing, I guess, with... You know, with... Uh, you know, if someone is, like, passing over your feelings so much and then something happens where either you lash out or something becomes a bigger deal than what it probably really needs to be. Yeah. Like, it's, it's kind of a reality of life, but it's kind of sad, too, that sometimes that person that's been passing over your feelings like needs to see that so that they, they, yeah, it, it corrects something in their thinking. They're like, Oh, Can there actually is something happening. Talk you know? about like, what is this moment like for Ferris and Sloan? Like we talked a little bit about like Sloan wants to Sloan wants to step forward and like, comfort Cameron, right? Like, I don't think that she's trying to stop him from kicking the car, but just being like... Make oh, all like, you're hurting, yes. you know. And, and and Ferris stops her, but it's out of this, like, he needs this Yeah, let him, let him get this out. But I also think that, like... I mean, this, this wasn't... Nothing close to this was in Ferris's head when they, like, took the car this morning. Mm-hmm. Right. Um... And I guess that's what I was getting at too, with like, to to Ferris in the morning, this was no big deal. Yeah. But to Cameron, to Cameron, what's happening right now was already festering. Or, or yes. Not festering. Maybe that's maybe. It's, but but the, that's already there. You know, it's it is something to Ferris. It was nothing, and now, of course, there's a lot of other things behind it. But now it's gotten pushed to the point where Ferris is like, he has to confront what's actually happening. Absolutely. You know? Can we, does this, does Ferris have any sort of emotional, like, clearly this is a moment of emotional growth for Cameron. And maybe we'll get more into, like, Ferris in the next week when he's willing to, when he tells Cameron he's willing to take the heat for this. But, like, is there any sort of emotional growth for Ferris that's happened 
over the course of the last like couple minutes or so like for a couple weeks or so i should say like leading up to this like what is ferris i don't say what did ferris learn but like this action of like like this pensiveness this moment of like him letting cameron have his moment does seem out of character from who we've seen the rest of this movie the like charming take charge gets what he wants guy right like that's been put aside at this moment like that charming guy that was willing to climb up on the parade float like he doesn't matter right now Mm -hmm. and i like that ferris is able to put that away um i don't know i don't see in the movie directly any evidence that ferris has had moments like this in the past where he's been concerned i mean not yeah concerned for like the emotional well-being of his friend beyond the like cameron doesn't know how he's so wound up if you stuck a lump of coal up his like it all seemed like jovial before and i think now he's really recognizing that like no cameron's really going through something right Mm -hmm, now mm -hmm. yeah i think i don't know if i don't know if we really i guess that's another thing about the ending of the movie is i don't really think we really see anything yeah there it doesn't seem like he has a character arc but like but seeing him in this in these minutes if i were to imagine you know the sequel to ferris bueller's day off where he wakes up tomorrow morning and talks to the camera i don't think he's gonna have those you know if he were to talk about cameron he's not gonna say it the same way you know he's not gonna say he's got a big lump of coal up his butt yeah he's he's gonna be like oh there's there's some things going on yeah yeah it would be really interesting to see, like, what tomorrow brings. Because he gets up tomorrow and, like, presumably Cameron has had that conversation with his father. And, right. like, there's been fallout from the day they took off. And it might not affect Ferris directly because I don't think Cameron's going to sell him out in any sort of way. But... Cameron's still his friend, and I think he's, he would still want to be there for him. But I think that means something different now, right? That the now being a good friend for Cameron isn't, oh, let's go downtown and have a good time. Let's steal your debt. No, it's, it's you're experiencing this emotional turmoil, and you need to let it out. Mm-hmm. The, the focus is different. I don't think I can call that a character arc. I don't think that Cameron or that Ferris is a different person at the end of the movie that he is at the beginning. But I think that we do have in these minutes a pensive Ferris. And that's something we haven't seen before. I'm going to give Ferris some credit and say that, that I think the big thing, the thing that bugs me most about Ferris is that when you see characters in a movie. Uh-huh. You know, I I've seen movies like this many times where you have your your small group that you're focusing on and they're kind of like against the world, you know, so they're doing whatever they want to do and everything's working out for them. The thing that bugged me about Ferris was that there didn't seem to be any difference between the way he treated the world and the way he treated his friends. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to think that after all of this, he would at least at least his small circle would still be safe, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like, at, at least he would, 
at least he would reach out that bit that much. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think that we we touched on this briefly last week, Victoria. But like, I definitely think that Ferris has this concern for his friends that doesn't extend. Like, yeah, he's willing to like help that kid get out of summer school, and like we have the cut monologue from the script where he was talking about how he wanted to like help Garth Volbeck because he had this terrible family life, and but it almost seems like that guy, that like that Ferris who is the showman is a different person from like this pensive, like he's, I I think, I (laughs) I think I like the last like four minutes of like non-communitive fair, like just like everything that's coming from like just him being present in the moment and like taking it in without having to like make it about him is something that I really like admire here. Right. I want more. I hope that like, I almost, it wouldn't be a huge stretch for me. Cause we don't see Ferris actually interacting with his other, like with peers outside of these two and the phone right. call, like that the showboat, like, everything works out for him always character is kind of a character like a like ferris doesn't ever talk about himself and i think it's because this i think it could be because this like happy-go-lucky guy is a defense mechanism like it it keeps him from having to talk about himself like he's created like this farce. I don't think that it's like entire. This... Like I don't think it's a hundred percent. Like he's pretending to be someone he's no, not. No, there's 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 some truth to it, mm-hmm. but it's almost like he's created an an exaggerated version of himself. Yes, to keep and people so away. okay, okay. That means I mean this minute is getting really long, but that means <laughs> does that because Ferris talks to us the audience and we get to see some of like the inner thought. Is Ferris an unreliable narrator? Is like when he gets away with everything, can <laughs> I've we said, believe I've that said he's from actually getting away with it? I've said from a long time back that he is an unreliable narrator. But it's, does that but, a, but does that extend to like things that we saw happen in this movie didn't actually happen the way we saw them? Or is it more that like we can say that the interactions that we saw him have, like the phone call he had with the kids, like because it's from a distance, th- that's the care. Like the the Ferris on the phone with the high school kids, or the Ferris that's talking to the Mater D, isn't this Ferris, the one who's like experiencing this heartfelt moment with his friend, like the real Ferris, basically. Yes. Yes. I don't know. We only have 103 minutes of this movie. It's really hard to say. Like, who who is Ferris Bueller? Really? D- does every Clearly, everything doesn't work out for Ferris, because this doesn't. And it's lucky for him that the situation revolved around Cameron's conflict and not one of his own. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the movie would be very different if it was Ferris having to deal with, like getting in trouble for something like or a like, huge, we, like, like a huge thing fair like 
if Ferris had destroyed his dad's, if it was his dad's car and he was responsible for this, this would be an entirely different character. Yeah. Yeah. Because he would have to face the consequences of that. And like, that's not important for this movie because this movie is about Cameron taking a stand. But like, I'm interested in that. Like, has Ferris had a moment? Ferris hasn't had his growing up moment like this. No. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you guys, this was a long one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this was a long one. Uh, I feel bad, uh, since it's already so long, I feel bad mentioning that Like as as I'm watching the minute over and over, uh-huh. and I keep seeing the moment when he, he pulls Sloane back yeah. from, from moving forward, I have a hard time not seeing that as some kind of uh, a mirror or, or something of... Like Cameron, uh, like his his mom and dad, and maybe hmm. at some point when he was younger, his his mom stepped forward to help Cameron, and his dad would stop her. But like in a different, sure, with a different attitude of like, no, you, no, you stay away from him. Like he needs to deal with this. He needs to do but it like on his in own. A, a aggressive kind of a way. Yeah, Aww. he needs to do this on his own. That makes me sad. Yeah. You know how fathers can be like, like you get those father betrayals of just like, no matter how old you are, you could be a little boy, but it, like, like a never ending story. Like he's a little boy. He just lost his mom. And there's his dad like sitting there like, well, get your two feet on the ground and head out of the clouds and you're old enough to blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, We're like this is not cool. never ending story. <laughs> I know. However, let me say, I don't think that his dad is a bad guy. In that, like his dad. No, 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 no. I didn't think his dad was a bad yeah, guy either. No. I just think his heart's in the. He's, yeah, he's dealing with it the wrong well, way. Because the because because when you said that, the first thing that I had in my head, like not to get super personal again, but the first thing I had in my head was that very, that like, very that hyper masculine like. Yes, exactly. Boys don't cry. Like, yes. Like, why are you making such a fuss out of this? Like, be a man. I feel like that's how his dad would be. Yeah. 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 Cameron's dad would basically be like that to him like no like deal with it on your own suck it up like blah 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 mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly no matter how old you are you can be a little boy or whatever that I feel that that's that's rough I've been there that's hard it's 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 there's a lot of baggage with that because really what that does is like that idea that like you're that you're supposed to bottle it up I think it's at da- least for a man. It's dangerous. Anyway. It's it's tough. It's unhealthy, mm-hmm. and like, it's. I don't know. I think I'm kind of like. It's detrimental. It is. I think there's a part of me that feels very blessed to have been primarily raised by my mom, right? So that like, because I know a lot of people that don't know how to like express their emotions or whatever. Whereas like I, on the other side, you like have gotten on me for being (laughs) too emotional and that's fine. Like I'm comfortable with being the guy that's like going to cry in a movie. Whereas like Cameron probably has never had a moment in his life where he's been able to even express the, like this, this, this sort of like discomfort with what he's dealing with, with his family. Yeah, I've I've always gotten the opposite. It seems it's like just like guys like you have the issue of oh if you're too emotional or if you cry too much then like you get judged for being a, a male. <laughs> what a and, wuss. Yeah, but I've I've been the person who doesn't show emotion, like, who oh, doesn't you're such cry. A frigid. 
And I've been called frigid and heartless. I literally had a guy break up with me because he thought I was just basically a heartless bitch. That's so because I didn't because I didn't cry enough at (laughs) some event we went to. It's it's weird. Like people have different ways of expressing their emotions and like. But I don't think that I don't think that it's ever fair to like deny someone the 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 freedom to express themselves in yeah. whatever way whatever way you, you want to and you know? if it's i mean if it's dangerous to yourself then, then like we gotta have a conversation <laughs> something but, needs to change but you know like it's it's unhealthy to just hide it all yeah it's hard it's hard. It's, it's hard to to not only hide it but it's hard to just to judge other people for how they deal with it yeah you know it, it did a lot it did a lot of damage to me to to be you know to be told I'm a heartless person and like th- these things are wrong with me. It's just like, what? But I can't, it, mm. it, it developed a lot of like disingenuous, like well, see, relationships afterwards. Like, we're literally like, uh, like on opposite sides here. Like I went through a period in like high school where like I did close, like I, I very proudly in, in, in high school could say like, I don't remember the last time I cried. Like that's a, that's a terrible position to be in. Yeah. Yeah. But like there's a, there's a, there's a toxic masculinity in that. Yeah. The uh, men mentality, the boys club and all this kind of stuff that happens among it's men just... are just kind of ridiculous. But at the same time, like women have their own like things. That's why Culture's there's a... weird. It's why there's that struggle of, like, women, like, just beating down other women. Like, oh, look at her. She's dressed like yeah. a slut. Yeah. Or blah, blah, blah. And it's just oh like, oh, my God. Heck? Look at her. But no, just, that's a totally... Okay. <laughs> that's a totally different thing there, Gary. <laughs> just because you like big butts and no, you but... cannot lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I don't know. That's just what was in my head when you said that. But, like, uh... yeah. Like, there's definitely that... Just like that men and men it. break each other down. It's good to see that like Ferris and Cameron's relationship don't revolve around yes. that kind of like yes. relationship. Like they're not like playing around like like you see guys that, that wrestle around and they're like, oh, you stupid, yeah, you gay, you know, calling nah. each other gay or the worst, calling each other like stupid, the you know, stupid stuff like that. It's awful. Was when Cam- when Ferris told Cameron on the phone at the very beginning, like. Take some Pepto Bismol, get dressed, and get over here. Yeah. <laughs> Where he's just like, I'm not gonna tolerate this. Like you, your self pity anymore. Yeah. yeah. But like, we talked about it then. I think that was also coming from like a caring place. Like, you're not actually sick. You just you're in this depressive place, and I want to show you that like you don't have to be there. And I don't. I don't know. It's hard. It's rough. I only have one last... I, I have one oh more gosh. thing. Okay. One more thing. <laughs> one I more really thing. love the shuffle that Cameron gives when he goes to kick the car last time and changes his oh, mind. Yeah, and he yeah. sort of does this, like, his feet kind of, like, hop across the ground a little bit as he stops. Like, that just, like, there's the... It's another emotional beat here where it's like, we're going to shift the tone a little bit again. Because now, like the damage is done. Like, not only do we have to deal with the mileage on the car, but, like, now the car is dented to crap. Yeah, it's like, now you beat it up. Yeah. 
It's very. We didn't even talk about the. We didn't even talk about the cuts of the the car leaning further (laughs) and further and further back on the jack in the back behind. Because I think at this point everyone knows what's going to happen. It's so. I mean, yeah. I mean, we've come on. If you're listening to this show, you've watched this movie. You know what's coming. But like, it's so precarious. I just. It makes me so nervous. I really. There's a tension. (sighs) The first time that happens, someone should have been like, "Whoa, wait a minute." Uh I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe no, maybe, maybe we should uh, turn the car off. Both of them are maybe that's what she was gonna say. The car shifted and she was like, "You gotta stop." And Cameron was like, "No." Ferris was like, "No, he's gotta get this out." Like they're she's like, "That's not what I'm talking about." <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "No, the, the the car guys." Like I'm just saying. <laughs> Sloan was trying to be the hero. It's too late. It's too late, Sloan. It's too late, Sloan. Uh, I just had one tiny note, <laughs> just that. Uh, before he starts kicking the car, he, he again rubs the uh, rubs his backside. Yeah, you just like you he did mentioned when he stood that up. the other day, and you know it's funny. Like it's not anything that I had ever really paid a lot of attention to. It's it's an interesting. I don't want to call it a tick necessarily. Maybe he was hurt. A... Maybe he's rubbing at something that hurts. No, like, you know how you get a sore like, muscle. It looks more like like. Like when you have like really sweaty palms and you're like wiping your your hands clean, or something oh, to see. that effect. You know what I mean? Like it's just a sort of like a. <laughs> he rubbed his hand on his butt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a sort of a. It's part of that exhale between the like I'm gonna take a stand and like his stand. <laughs> I just keep watching this minute and it's like. Makes me feel things, you guys. It's, it's it's a really weird thing to note, but I, I like how the fact that he doesn't have anything in his pockets because his pants look very uh, streamlined. Well, they don't have phones back then. That's true, but he doesn't have keys <laughs> well, in his pocket or well, He doesn't or, have. He probably doesn't. He doesn't have, even a wallet. He doesn't in his back have the pocket. keys because the keys are in the car. Oh well, house keys. I, I oh, maybe they're all attached to the same keychain, and then. He doesn't have to have a wallet because Ferris just charms their way through freaking everywhere they go anyway. It's called stealing, but okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't, we don't know that that's what happened. Well, if he didn't pay for anything, <laughs> it was comped or something. I like mean, that. we don't, we have no evidence of that either. The only money we see Ferris exchange is like what he gives the, 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 the he tries to he bribe money the for tips. And then, yeah, he tipped the, the car, the garage attendant guy twice. You're a very generous individual. <laughs> the way he says it. Oh, God. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think oh, that's, those, I think those that's parking it. attendants would be very heartbroken to see what happened oh, in the car I know. afterwards. I know. You'd be like, oh, what are you doing? See, it's it's good we had Sam here for the beginning of the she car and not the here. end of the car. He'd be having he'd a heart be, attack right he'd now. He'd be having a heart attack right now. He'd be like, I need to breathe, you guys. This isn't okay. I don't like this. <laughs> right. My heart hurts. I mean, this car is worth so much. It's worth so much. And this is just... Oh, this poor car. Yeah. Oh, poor car. It's Cameron. seen better days. It has seen better days. Cue the music. <laughs> I've seen better exactly. days. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it took me like half a second. I was like, what, what do you... I... I like that. <laughs> uh, I think I'm. I think we're finally okay. done with this movie. I'm out of guys. references. 
think we're finally done with this minute. <laughs> Jonathan, for, let, remind everyone else where they could find you on the on the, on the interwebs. Yes, that would be at theprincessbrideminute.com. There you I'll go. I'll keep it short and sweet. Short and sweet. You can find Jonathan on Princess Bride Minute, theprincessbrideminute.com. You can find us at duelinggenre.com. And uh, come back tomorrow for Minute 85? Minute 85 of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Donkey. Yeah. Save Cameron.